We're jumping into this Friday show from the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks property schoolyard sports studios, like Buzz Adams just said. Thanks to Diamond Dave and Van Halen getting us going here on a Friday afternoon. Good to have you back. 600 ESPN El Paso is our home. Telephone number is 915-505-6009. That is 915-505-6009. You can also uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and X at 600 ESPN El Paso. And uh, looking forward to spending the afternoon with you. In fact, uh, Cade McConnell's dropping in. He's going to be joining us as well over the course of the show today. Adrian's been busy. He had minor talk last night following the UTEP loss on the road to Western Kentucky, a game that played out like every other road game has for UTEP. They hang around. They make things interesting. They're right there in the final five, six minutes, and then a blink of the eye, they're down 10, and they lose. And that's just the way things worked out yesterday for UTEP. And for a while, it really looked like the Miners had a chance to win it but unfortunately, Adrian, uh, you know, you got to play 40 minutes of basketball, not 35. Right, and I thought that yesterday they played pretty well uh, in the first half to try to get back in the game. Remember, uh, Western Kentucky led by as much as 12 points in the first half. The Miners marched back and then took the lead to close out the first half, which was, I thought, pretty admirable to see how they fought back in that game. And I thought... Wow, is there some magic tonight? Is there is there going to be some magic cooking uh, in Bowling Green as the Miners try to get their first road win of the season? No, it didn't end up happening. Second half came around. Uh, the game was tied at 65 at under eight minutes to go. And then from that point, Western Kentucky outscored the Miners 25-15. to 15. That's not really a good indication of how much they dominated through that final eight-minute stretch. It was a 23-11 to 11 run at one point. Yeah. And the Hilltoppers, they have a better backcourt than UTEP. They've got a better frontcourt than UTEP, better execution. I love their tempo. And uh, if UTEP finds this team or plays this team in the Conference USA tournament, I fear that UTEP will lose. Yeah, I mean, they have a better team than UTEP. Let's be honest. They lost by six in El Paso. It was a good game, 93-87. And it looked like we were having that same kind of game last night until the final five, six minutes. And fact is, um, you know, it, the frustrating part about last night's game was UTEP scored 80 points and they lost. And the weirdest part is that usually on the road, UTEP loses because they can't score enough points and they can't shoot the basketball. Last night, they lost because they couldn't play defense in the last five or six minutes. And that is even more frustrating because normally you can hang your hat on their defense no matter what, whether they're on the road or at home. But you know what? You score 80 points on the road, Adrian. You should be winning basketball games, not losing. Yeah, I'll push back just a little bit, knowing that the Miners had 14 turnovers that they forced in this game. They had 10 steals, I believe, in this one as well, eclipsing the all-time steal mark. So they're turning the ball over, which is great. But And then they're they're forcing bad looks. I thought Don McHenry was fantastic yesterday. He was making any shot, whether it was Tay Hardy glued onto him, him making off-balance shots, whatever it is. They just just had faster tempo, Steve. So, like for the UTEP, it took longer for them to get into offensive sets, and then once they hit a shot or missed a shot, Western Kentucky would sprint over to the other end and attempt a shot. And uh, in the final eight minutes, it was a dagger for UTEP because it felt like every time UTEP got a three-pointer or a layup to fall, Western Kentucky had another layup to respond within 10 seconds. I thought they had easier looks in the last five, six minutes of the game. I mean, I saw how many times are they going right to the basket and, and putting it in. And and the thing is about UTEP's defense, steals are a given. 
They're leading the country in steals. So every game you can expect 10, 11 steals per game from the Miners. They've already set the program record, and what do they have, like six, seven games left in the season. So, yeah, we know they're going to steal the basketball, but guarding Western Kentucky in the last few minutes, or last five, six minutes, I felt like they were getting too many easy baskets, easier looks. Un, I don't say uncontested, but when they would try to guard them, Western still had good, good looks at the rim and at the basket driving in. And the Miners just couldn't stop them late. I mean, that's just what it came down to. You know, you watch that game, and how many times do you feel like the Miners just didn't have an answer when they needed one? They need a stop down the stretch. And you said it best. Western's a better team. They are. And you want to know something? When you've lost one game at home, and uh, you've got six losses as a, you know in the whole season, and you're down there and it's crunch time late, they're going to beat you. Because if they're a better team, they're going to beat you, especially on their home court. So I thought the Miners did again last night what they always do. Came to play, played tough, gave Western Kentucky everything they could handle for 35, 34, 35 minutes. And then when it came down to it late in the game, that's when the Hilltoppers took over. Yeah, and you also look at the free throws. That'll drive you crazy, right? Because the Miners were definitely in this game, just couldn't make the freebies. And yeah, Kevin Callu, when he goes to the free throw line, I don't expect him to make every free throw. In fact, yeah. I expect him to go about 50%. But when you have Tay Hardy going two for six from the free throw line, God. that's what hurts. And that's your go-to guy. He's He was their best player last night. But I thought, again, going back to what he uh, those problems that he had against that Liberty team at home and against that Sam Houston team on the road when this team falls behind in games and they have to rely on Tay Hardy he gets a little you know he get he gets a little um I, I guess shot crazy at times and he he'll attempt everything that he can because he takes ownership of these games and that's not necessarily a knock on Hardy he just has a lot of heart to this team but sometimes it's a little too much they just need the simple plays and I felt like they didn't have a second or third guy to step up late in that game well they didn't I mean that's the thing Tay Hardy scores 19 points on seven of 16 shooting uh, um you know you want to you want to fault him at the line two for six yes I don't blame you that's four points he should have had, but they're still losing by six if that's the case. Even if he goes six for six from the line, they losing by they lose by six. So to me, I'd rather I'd rather have a guy try to step up. And if he can't deliver, then you know what? You lose the ball game, then nobody step up and and have a leaderless team. So I'm okay with Hardy. In fact, look, Zid Powell scored 12 points on four of ten shooting. Um, and at times looked good. Uh, he went into double figures, but just not enough. I mean, Frazier scores 15, Camper scores 11, Powell with 12, Hardy with 19, and, you know, the free throws, yeah, 14 out of 25, you're not going to win too many games. And you look at who killed you from the line, besides Tay Hardy's two for six, you had Kalu five of nine, and that's the thing, too. If he hits your big man and he gets to the line nine times, you I mean, to be honest, five of nine is a pretty good game from Kevin from the line. Let's be let's be real here. He is not a good free throw shooter. So you know what? He shoots five out of nine times, like, hey, that's a that's a bonus. So, you know, that's again Make seven points, it's a bonus. Yeah, that that is uh, that is definitely the case. So um I don't know. It's one of those games I would have liked to have seen um more Elijah Jones. Uh, but you know what? He had some problems defensively. I saw one play where he just got beat, committed a bad foul, and and you know what? You can't do that either. So that's kind of the hard part with the UTEP bigs is, 
um, until Elijah shows you more to give him more minutes, you know, you got to see it on both sides of the floor. And I felt like he had a bad foul on a three-point play and it was kind of lazy getting back. You can't do that. You got to be able, if you're going to run, you got to be able to run on both sides. And that's just the bottom line. They're just not getting a lot from their front court right now. No. They're Kevin Kalu, I mean, there was a lot of excitement with his two-way game in one stretch and then they bench him right away. Like he had a, a nice, uh, you know, he had a nice basket down low, then he blocks a shot on the other end, he goes to the other side, and then he draws a foul and goes to the free throw line. So it was a nice sequence for Kevin Kalu, but this is also year three for Kevin Kalu. I, I want to see this guy putting together double-doubles instead of just being excited for flashes and games. You know, I, I think for Kevin Kalu, for what they need on the season, they need somebody who's going to be an interior presence and score and not turn the ball over. And I think with, between Kalu and Solomon, they're having liabilities yeah. offensively and that's why you can't trust this team going into Huntsville in the conference tournament. That's why that's why Calvin's playing 16 minutes a game and he's scoring four points because he's a, he's not he's not a scorer right now. He's just not. And you know, that's that's another issue is they don't have a ton of scores. So, you know what? I'd rather live and die with uh, Tay Hardy because at least he's taking shots and taking the ball than have nobody wanting to shoot the basketball. By the way, we were told there was going to be 8,000 there last night. They had 3,300 fans. So, they're not drawing in Bowling Green even with a team that is right now 18 and 7 and 7 and 4 in the league. Hostile environment according to the post-game show. Hostile environment. 3300 fans? Yes. God, imagine what it would be like if they actually had eight or 9,000 fans. Forget about winning at all, right? Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, forget about keeping it within 10. But I agree with you of what you're saying about UTEP. I mean, away from the Haskins Center, there the difference between UTEP here and UTEP there is that you get the effort both places. You do. UTEP comes ready to play here. They come ready to play on the road. But UTEP finds ways to win here. They do not find ways to close and win on the road. So, I mean, it's not like they're getting killed every road game and just outclassed and, and, and just outperformed. It's the same story every game. They come. They, they hang in there. They either have a lead or they're right there. And in the last four, five, six minutes – that's when they fall short. So I feel like we see this story played out time after time after time. Yeah, and I'm just going to go into the crystal ball and tell you that tomorrow they're going to win. They're going to beat Middle Tennessee. It's a bad uh, team against know. the Blue Raiders. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. This is my expectation, Steve, because this is a bad team right yeah. here in let Middle Tennessee. Wait, l- let me finish here. They're, they've got to beat Middle Tennessee because this is a bad Blue Raiders team. This is a UTEP team that's starved for a road win. If it's not going to be tomorrow, it's not going to be at Jacksonville State. It's not going to be at Liberty in two weeks from now. Uh, and then if that's the case, if they don't beat Middle Tennessee, you really have to worry about UTEP playing on Tuesday of that Conference USA tournament mm-hmm. in the 8-9 matchup. Yeah. I mean, like the yeah. worst bottom seed. And that's the reality. UTEP is going to be one of the bottom seeds if they can't win tomorrow against Middle Tennessee and start to put together more conference victories. I watched Middle Tennessee come back from 15 down to New Mexico State to beat them yesterday. And New Mexico State's still winless on the road. They're just like UTEP. Same thing. The only difference is is that they blew a 15-point lead and lost to Middle Tennessee State in the second half. And when I watched that game and I saw Middle Tennessee come back to win, my first reaction is, UTEP's not winning tomorrow. They should win tomorrow. It's a game they need to win. Everything you said is 100% accurate. Everything you just said is 100% accurate. But that being said, do I think UTEP's going to win? Why? 
They haven't won a road game all season. Why are they suddenly going to beat middle? Because they're a bad team? UTEP's already lost to bad teams on the road. So why will tomorrow be any different than anything else? Yeah, I think that they have to they have to prove it to themselves, right? If they really if they're talking all this talk about turning things around and playing great and they want to go celebrate with the student sections after the New Mexico State victory, they have to give themselves some justification on the season. And it has to start on the road. So that's why they have they have to look within themselves and realize, all right, forget this. This is a mental thing now. It this is. isn't just a, you know, a, an on-court thing. This is a bad issue. They've got to find a ways to win, win on the road. All the good UTEP teams win on the road except for this one right here. And that's uh, why they're not a good team in that, my opinion. That's true. I mean, there's n- everything again, that's 100% correct. 100% correct. We welcome in Caden McConnell. Uh, who's been sitting in on this discussion, just listening for the last uh, 10 plus minutes as he's been here. Um, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, it's funny because last uh, season you weren't very good as a football team. You won what, a total of four games last year, three games, three games. last year, yep, but three. two of your three were on the road. Correct. Incre- incredibly enough, you were a better road <laughs> team than you were a home team. And then you look at this basketball team, and they're a great home team, and they're just a, a bad road team. Exactly. We've talked about it before. I mean, some guys, you know, and some teams can click on the road, and they like to go and, and travel to a new place. I've talked about that before. I, I enjoy going elsewhere and kind of seeing a new environment and, and sometimes being the silencer or the villain out on the field is a cool thing. I don't like it as much maybe as I like to play at home. Uh, but for some teams, you know, it's, it's harder to come together on the road, but that's something that you have to do. It's part of the sport. You're, you have half of your games are away. If if not more. We have seven games on the road this year on our football schedule, so we better find a way to like to play on the road, and as a sports team, you have to be able to do that to win games or it's not going to be a good season. I believe Adrian's saying it's mental, though. I think he's 100% right. I feel like watching these basketball games, they're right there, and they're, there's no reason why they should still be winless on the road, and except for the fact that when it's a close game in the final five minutes, they're probably thinking to themselves, uh-oh, here we go again versus let's just get this one out of the way and start winning some road games. And that's, you know, because talent-wise, you watch the way they match up. Adrian, last night's a great example. That team easily could have finished strong, flipped the script, and, and ended up winning on the road against Western Kentucky. Yeah, and as soon as they go down by 10, it's like a little bit of defeat comes to them offensively. They have no confidence with their shots on offense, and even though they got open looks, it's just not confident scoring offensively. And so I look at that New Mexico State team. I know they blew that lead yesterday against Middle Tennessee on the road, but the difference is Jason Hooten's in year one. Joe Golding and his staff are in year three here. You know, the other thing too, Adrian and Steve, I think that if you're, I don't know exactly what's going on in the locker room of the basketball team. I'm not there. I don't get to hear, you know, the mentality and what's been said. But if you're going through a game and you start thinking about, oh no, here we go again on the road or, or playing on the road is like in the back of your mind, yeah. that's a major issue. I mean, that should never come into your mind. I don't, I don't think about anything when I'm on the road of, oh, we're on the road. You know, we're not at home. We're not at our place. This is all of a sudden different like that. That has to be a non-factor in your mind as an athlete. You know, you can understand that you're in a different place, but it should shouldn't be coming into play of, oh, no, we're on the road again. We got a challenge here. You know, that that doesn't need to come into your process. The only thing that should be going through your head is the game and what's in front of you. And so if we're thinking, oh, no, here we go again, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. I agree with that, too. I mean, you're right. That's and that's that's what you got to overcome, especially. I mean, the, the coaches can't really help with that unless they put them. The only thing the coaches can do is put the team in a position to win and then hope the team comes through and the players are able to execute. That's all you can do. You have to. I mean, there's no like there's no 
no motivational speech. There's no secret sauce that allows you to come together on the road. You just have to kind of find that within yourselves individually and as a team. And then you have to go out there and do it. And confidence builds a lot. You know, when you can prove it to yourself that you do it a couple times, one time, two times, then you go, it makes it a lot easier to do things. And I think that's what this basketball team needs to do. Adrian, you said something really interesting during yesterday's show. You said that this team right now believes that they can go out and win road games. It's exactly what you said yeah. during the program, during our 30-minute blockbuster show yesterday that we had from 4 to 4.30 before John joined us. You said that this team really believes after that New Mexico State game, they could start winning on the road. Well, if that's the case, that belief has got to start showing up in big moments of road games. I'll give them credit for having short-term memory and coming back the way that they did yesterday because they were down by as much as 12 points, 13 points, oh, 12 points in the first half, 13 points in the second, and they kind of tried to chip away. So I'll give them credit on the short-term memory, but I'm not going to give them all the, the credit in the world because they've got to win these games. So even after that New Mexico State win, I wasn't getting too excited. I didn't think that this team was turning the corner by any chance, but uh, you know, when you talk to players, when you talk to coaches, this week, they thought that they were turning a corner. They thought that they were uh, in the midst of, of doing something special here on a late season run. And until we see it on the road, I won't believe it. And like you guys said, we scored 80 points on the road. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment in itself right there. You want to be able to take advantage in the adverse situation like we're talking about and be able to close out and be able to succeed. It reminded me a lot last year of the Middle Tennessee game that football had when we were on the road at Middle Tennessee, put up 31 points, had a good offensive day. Kelly Akari, big day out on the field, and then wasn't able to close out on that last drive. And those are the type of opportunities when you're on the road, when the odds may be against you, and you actually do have a good turnout, you have to find a way to finish in those situations. Two lines are open. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. We're with you for three hours today. Cade's here. We're going to keep talking. I'm going to keep interrupting Adrian, and he's going to keep telling me, let me finish. We're going to do that through the whole show today, right after Charlie won and this traffic update. 25 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Good conversation getting us started. I'm, I'm with Adrian, though. I really hope UTEP turns it around tomorrow and wins their first game. It's just so hard to pick them because they haven't won. And yet, you know, you always think the law of averages. Eventually, something's got to change. And you hope it's tomorrow because you're right. Middle's one of the worst teams in the league. UTEP crushed them here. There is absolutely no reason why they can't go and, and play well and beat the heck out of them tomorrow. No reason. It's true. It's true. And I, I understand what you're saying with the law of averages, but at the same time, in Division One college sports, if you go out and perform poorly, you are not going to win the game. It doesn't matter what team you are most of the time. It doesn't matter who's who's got the ball and who's on the squad. If you don't go out there and you don't put a good performance together, you're not going to win. Real quick, I just will say this. If they lose tomorrow, I will come to the conclusion this year's team is worse than last year's team and maybe worse, you know, the worst UTEP team we've seen since Rodney Terry's first year at, at UTEP. Didn't last year's team win some road games? Yes, they won some road games. Yeah. And last year showed some life. And last year had a better Conference USA. That's the bottom line. Yeah. That end of story, UAB, North Texas, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic that mm-hmm. went all the way to the Final Four. Forget about it. Last year's Conference USA to this year's Conference USA? Night and day. Night and day. I agree with you. All right. Let's go to Cruz. He joins us next as Sports Talk continues. 505-6009. How you doing, Cruz? I'm doing okay, bud. Hey, you know, I was thinking, like what Don Haskins used to preach, defense. We need more defense. We also need depth because our, our t- uh, team is 
is getting tired. I don't know how many players they've been playing, but uh, we also need that defense. Like you hear it in football, you hear it in basketball. Defense wins games for you. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, any idea how many players they they've been playing? Well, they played. They played. They played ten yesterday. But of the ten, seven of them had sixteen or more minutes. Um, Dos Anjos had eight minutes. Elijah Jones had six minutes. Trey Horton had four minutes. And uh, at the very end of the game, Baylor Head was in towards the end. He had two minutes, but that was it. I mean, that's that's what they had. So and, and Head might have been in actually in the end of the. I remember if it was the first half or the second half, but he came in late in one of those two halves. Yeah, yeah, and you know they when they substitute, we, they they really need the help, you know, off the bench. There's some scoring, you know, everybody needs it. And uh, but uh, again, defense, you know, defense, and and a lot of times when you go in these cold spells, the team's tired. I've seen this on, in college and high school and professional. They, they substitute, you know, let the guys rest some uh, to uh, keep them as fresh as possible, yeah. possible, yeah. especially towards the end of the game because uh, that's when you. You're really trying pretty hard, you're trying to catch, uh, catch up or, or stay ahead. You know. Well, it's true, and you know what? Uh, good point. Appreciate the call, Cruz. Uh, rotation is key. Western Kentucky, in contrast, played uh, ten just like UTEP, except the difference is nine of the ten had eleven or more minutes, whereas for UTEP, seven of the ten had sixteen or more minutes. So they had three guys that all had 18, 18, and 11 minutes, were for UTEP after the Solomon 16 minutes. Then you had 24 Kalu, 24 Terrell Jr., and then uh, 24 for, for Zid Powell. And uh, Camper, uh, 34 minutes. Hardy, 36 minutes. Frazier, 30 minutes. I mean, those, those, guys are, those guys are logging in a ton of minutes, and they're always on the court down the stretch. So it's a good point. All right. Appreciate the phone call. As we hit the bottom of the hour, we're going to get back to the phones in just a moment. Rob, you're next right after Adrian, who has this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Things moving. Let's get right back to the phones. 505-6009. That is our telephone number as Sports Talk continues. Let's go next to Rob, who joins us. Rob, welcome aboard. Thanks for waiting. How you doing? I'm doing good, Steve. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I um, I wanted to give my my two cents on the game last night. Uh, considering I saw the game last night, and then I was at uh, the Don Haskins Center on uh, Saturday night, and I saw two completely different teams. And um, one of the things that kind of stood out to me a lot was was the play of uh, of, of Hardy and Powell on the road. Yeah. I, I, I it just I just get the sense that they're forcing it. Because they know a lot of these road these these uh, role players don't really show up on the road, yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of these guys were playing well on Saturday night, and they just don't play well when um, you know they have to get on a plane and go somewhere. And if the Conference USA tournament was in El Paso, you know, I'd be excited, but it's not. So they have to figure it out. These road guys, these role guys, have to figure out how to contribute more uh, outside their building. And then the, the second thing. Which a lot of callers hit on on, on uh, last night's show, but but it's true is is they don't they don't have an identity, they don't. It's supposed to be a defensive team, quote unquote, but they give up ninety. Um, so when, when that's your bread and butter, yeah, and you can lean on that, and you give up ninety points, right, and you lead the nation in steals, 
if you lead the nation in steals, you're supposed to you're supposed to score more on the fast break than the other team, and they still got outscored on the fast break. Um, you know, they're one of the slowest uh, you know pace per game uh, teams in the nation, and they're I think there's only 20 teams that shoot worse three point shooting uh, than them out of 360 teams. So they shoot. They're a three point shooting team on offense. They're not a three point making team. And it's true. that's a problem. If at this point in at this point of the year, uh, coaches or players, I don't know who, but you're, you're going to have to buy down on your, you know, leave your ego at the door, and say, hey, you know what? It's not working. We have to find other ways to score. Because um, you could give this great effort like they did last night on defense, and they could blow it at the end. And they're not they're not built to come back down from a 10-0 run. They're just not. So they have to figure out. They have to figure it out on offense. It comes with the role players, and they have to stop shooting so much threes. I, I think if, if the role players can show up and they can find other ways to score, they'll be better off. But 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 until then, I, I like you guys said, I, I can't I can't pick them to win on the road. I don't blame you. Appreciate you, Rob. Good stuff. Good comments. I I agree with pretty much with everything Rob said. I do think players press. Uh, because they don't necessarily know if the rest of the supporting cast is going to show up. I see that. I feel like Zid Powell is always pressing when I watch him offensively. I almost feel like he's doing everything he can to try to to force uh, the game through and 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 do that. And um, you know, unfortunately, you you live with with that kind of style and you die with that kind of style. That that's just the way it is. I don't know if, if Zid presses as much. I mean, I feel like. I mean, I'm sorry, that's it. I mean, uh, Tay Hardy. I feel like Hardy is pretty consistent for the most part um, away from home as he is at home. He's there. He is by far their most consistent offensive player. Um, the one guy that I wish I could see more things from on the road is, um, I'll tell you right now, it's a guy like uh, Otis Frazier III. He scored 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting. Um, you know, he, he missed two of his free throws, but you look at his line. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, um, and just 2 turnovers in 30 minutes of play. Frazier, you know, I think Frazier has come along, and I almost feel like next season, Frazier and Terrell, assuming they're both here, are going to be really their two most important players coming back with Corey Camper uh, Jr. being the third. That's, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, Adrian, but that's really the nucleus that I see returning next season. Yeah, I think that's kind of like your pecking order right there. You throw maybe the two freshmen, one of the two, if you, you talk about the law of averages, the law of transfer portals between Elijah Jones and Trey Horton, and that's kind of your uh, returning group coming back. But again, this is a veteran group right now. This is a team that has uh, three seniors who've played college basketball for a long time in Zid Powell, Calvin Solomon, and Tay Hardy. Uh, to your point about the road splits versus the home splits, I mean, Otis Frazier third, his numbers dip considerably when he's on the road. He's yeah. somebody who averages over uh, 10 points a game, almost 11. He shoots 51% in every single game and grabs about five rebounds. On the road, he's averaging nine points on 43% shooting, so his, uh, his shooting percentage drops, uh, dips considerably. He's only making 65% of his free throws on the road, and he's only grabbing four rebounds on the road compared to almost five just in general. So, road, he's a completely different player. But if you look at this roster top to bottom right now, okay, and you really look at everybody, let's let's be honest, okay, let's be honest. Calvin Solomon, he's been a disappointment this season. 
John Dos Anjos, he's been a disappointment this season. Baylor Hebb, since he's come on, has done nothing. He's been a disappointment this season. And Kevin Kalou, for as many minutes as he plays, is not an offensive player. He's more of a defensive guy. The problem is, is that when he's fouled, he's a bad free throw shooter. So it almost like he hurts you more than he helps you on the offensive side. That's half the roster that's playing right now. That's the issue with this team, is that when you're really only able to rely on three to four guys consistently every night, and everybody else is a total crapshoot. And by the way, Zid Powell's been a disappointment, all right? He really has. I expected Zid to come in, and I thought I was going to see more of the Zid that was dropping 20 and just playing with that confidence and fearlessness. And at times, it seems like he's pressing more than everybody. So, you know, that's, that's another issue right now with this basketball team is, unfortunately, the roster just has not worked out the way everybody expected it to do so when it was put together. Yeah, I wonder what the philosophy is going to be moving forward, right, to build this roster. Because what we've seen so far is young, that they're going to probably go the younger route and maybe build it around David Terrell Jr., maybe make him the guy. Uh, my question is, why isn't he starting right now? If, if Zid is not giving you what you need the entire game, does he have it in him to come off the bench and be kind of like a Russell Westbrook, spell the team, help the second uh, nucleus or second group who comes in off the bench and, and really lead back? group and maybe stagger the minutes between Zid Powell and Tay Hardy I, I don't know I mean I'm just saying this right here out of uh, uh pure you know pure kind of confusion right now because their lineups what we've seen the rotations nothing is consistent last year they had a set lineup that played almost 35 percent of all their minutes this season their most used lineup which is Zid Powell Tay Hardy Corey Camper Otis Frazier and Kevin Kalu this year is only uh averaging 15 percent of their rotations and then everything else is just a mixed bag they constantly change guys in and out and there's no continuity in the rotation to where I feel like they wanted balance. They wanted to have 1 through 10 play well for them. But instead, they're just they kind of just don't have it as far as the rotations on the road and that's where it's glaring especially. You want to add anything to this kid? No, I mean, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, guys like David Terrell and Otis Frazier and them returning, what I, what I would love to see as a fan next year, as, a, as someone who roots for them day in and day out, I want to see them turn into more dynamic scorers, too. I feel like sometimes sitting there, I feel like we become very one-dimensional. And our caller, I believe his name was Rob, right, Rob? He said that, you know, I want us to stop shooting threes. I, I don't necessarily want us to stop shooting threes. I feel like sometimes I've gone to games and we haven't taken as many shots and we turn very one-dimensional and everything's drive the lane and we feel like we limit ourselves in our potential to score. I just want to see, obviously, you know, I mean, points win games, right? Dynamic scorers are going to win games. But I want to see us be able to create different shots and, and score in different ways and not become one-dimensional in games. And a key piece of that would be having guys like David and Otis become key scorers uh, next year as opposed to having to, you know, rely on somebody like Tay Hardy to put up 26 a game. And that's assuming, again, that you put together the, the NIL is good enough to keep these guys and, and bring them back because that's, that's another thing you got to think about is what is NIL used for? Well, yeah, you use it to bring players in, but you got to also use it to, to retain players from season to season, especially those building blocks and cornerstones that you believe are going to be a key part of your, of your future. I feel like sometimes people forget a lot about that, I think. I think that sometimes people um, get really enamored with the transfer portal and bringing guys in with NIL money and a new piece added. Uh, but sometimes the people that 
that are already there get overlooked. And sometimes, you know, you have an opportunity to keep guys foundational pieces that can really help you the next year. And that NIL is, is something that a tool, you know, to use and keep those building blocks here. Adrian, I'll say this though. You said he's going to try to build young. He's got two years left on his contract after this year. He can't afford to build young because if he does, he's going to be out of a job after two years because they're not going to go to the postseason. They're not going to put themselves in a spot to be, you know, really giving you something to get excited about. I mean, young is nice when you're in year one of a five-year contract, but guess what? We're in the transfer portal era. We're in the NIL era. You can't build young when you're in year three of a five-year contract and you know that you haven't done anything enough to to warrant an extension in those first three years. And the this coaching staff has shown me that their incoming transfers that they get through the transfer portal are not surefire things, at least right away. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Rodney Terry, he had grad transfers come in and make impact make a difference Alfred Hollins Daryl Edwards those guys were plug and play guys who did not did not want to be number ones or twos they were happy with their role they loved their role and what they did and for that you got to tip your hat off to the previous coaching staff for recruiting uh immediate plug and play players and not to say this team hasn't it's just more of a like a 50 50 thing some guys it pans out they get them right away and they are immediate impact players some aren't they you you get excited on them as far as who they are coming yeah. into the program, the coaches sell you on them, but they don't pan out in the season the way that the, the team needs them to. 43 past the hour, 505-6009. We're going to revisit this topic later. We're going to give out awards as well for minor talk last night. We'll do that. But when we come back, college football 2025 is coming this summer to EA Sports. What does Cade McConnell think his grade will be when college football 25 arrives? We'll get his thoughts next. Where does Cade feel he will be ranked? Will he be up to 80? Will he be higher? Will he be lower? (laughs) That next as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, nine in front of five. As we said before the break. College football 2025 is coming to EA Sports. I've seen the promos. It's dropped. Everybody's excited about it. This summer, we'll be able to get our hands on this game. And I know one person who's super excited, and that is the man in our uh, 600 ES Piano Paso River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. He is Cade McConnell. Um, congratulations, by the way. Your, your NIL will fully uh, – this is – one of the reasons you have NIL is because of games like this. And right. you're going to have the opportunity to, uh, to play as yourself. Um, do we, have you given any thought yet as to what your player rating will be when this game drops? I haven't thought about it too much, but I'm really curious to how in-depth EA goes for this. You know, because if, okay, let's just, let's just play it you know, on the shallow side of things, right? Yeah. All the players in you know, the SEC and stuff like that are going to have higher overalls than the people in group of five. Or, 100%. You know, that's just how it's going to be. And you know what? I get it. 100%. You've got to make a game. You've got to make ratings overall and, and understand that. I just wonder how in-depth they're actually going to go. Are they just going to pull up you know, some stats from last year and then do that like according to Power 5, Group of 5, and maybe some conferences or things like that? Are they like How in-depth are they actually going to go? Because there's a lot of college football players, Steve. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's more than the NFL, and, and it's, you know, it, Absolutely. there's a lot more that goes into it. But I will say EA has a real, real opportunity to potentially, in my opinion, be the biggest sports game ever released right now. 
Oh, I think that's uh, 100% correct and wouldn't be surprised if, if that's the case when it's all said and done. In fact, I was looking at a post, and I think it was from Dave Campbell's earlier, talking about where they believe the top-rated players for each Texas program is, was going to have, right? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. I think it was Dave Campbell did this. And they believe that like Quinn Ewers could be a 96 okay. from the University of Texas. Uh, Torian York from A&M, a 93. Taj Brooks, the running back for Texas Tech, a 95. So they go all the way down from school to school to school. And they picked of UTEP. They think that Maurice Westmoreland could be an 80. That that would be the highest-rated UTEP player, Mo Westmoreland. He had seven and a half sacks last season, ten and a half tackles for a loss. Here's what they said: UTEP's player rankings are going to be lower because most are new to the program, but Westmoreland is a steady presence. That makes sense. I mean, here's the thing: is like when you release a video game like this, there has to be some type of like bias tier to it. You know what I mean? Yes. There, ha- there has to be that, or else. To the average like person out there, it like wouldn't make as much sense, you know, for the casual fan that's playing with different colleges. Like there has to be some type of tier base, which obviously we know that that's probably not going to translate to actual overall and skill levels of. Players, of course, of course. Know? All right, uh, Adrian. Before Kay gives us his prediction of what he thinks his grade is going to be, what do you think Cade's uh, rating will be? when EA Sports comes out with College Football 25. Okay, I'll use that metric with Moa Smorlin uh, being 80 in the highest one. Give me a 75 for Cade McConnell. Wow, that is really generous. Well, I, wait, 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 are you I, just being nice? Wait, I just want to say something really quick, Cade. There's no way that you haven't th- put any thought in it. As soon as this video game came out, I know that you probably thought in the back of your head, man, I wonder what they're going to put me as for rating. I'm being honest, Adrian. I just, this is this is so true. I'm not, I'm not lying. I actually have not really thought about it until until right now, I was more thinking like, it, like how am I actually going to get to play as myself on the game? And then yes. I just kind of wondered what it would look like. I haven't given a lot of thought to overall ratings, but like they have to give attributes, right? It's oh, not. Yeah. There's no way it's just overall. It's got to be like arm strength, mobility, where oh, all the all the regular stuff. So that's what I'm really curious as to like where they go. You know. All right. Here's what we're gonna do when we come back. We're gonna turn this into a poll question. We're going to pick a couple of grades, and then we're going to do a higher or lower than, and we're going to see what everybody thinks your rating will be over the next two hours during the show. We should put a poll out on Twitter. We should have like four different options that's of, what we're doing. of what the overall is. Yes, that's, that's what the poll oh, question okay, okay, is. Oh, yeah. Good, so good. We're, we're one step ahead of you. When okay. we say we're going to do a poll question, great. it means it's going on Twitter. Okay, oh, I, yes. okay, that's good. So, yes, we're going to do that when we come back. Stay with us. More Sports Talk next. Six. ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on a very special edition of Track Talk. In fact, it's Derby Weekend. That's right, as we say hello right now to the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack. He is Eric Alwyn. Eric, great to have you back. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you love a monster weekend of horse racing with stakes races galore, you've picked the right week, haven't you? Sure did. I mean, this this Sunday will be our biggest day of the season. A little sooner than normally. You know, we're, we're having it for a number of reasons, but... Uh, 
this Sunday, February the 18th, we'll have over a million dollars in races. And the, the Sunland Derby has always been the granddaddy of our entire season. And we were uh, pleased that we got a field of eight uh, for this year's race. And the, uh, the complimentary card is also very strong. Got some Southern California flavor, a few from Oaklawn. Uh, a trainer named Philip D'Amato really kind of saved the day by entering Stronghold in the Derby and another good filly in the Oaks. So we're very, very you know, gratified that he would come here. He's one of the leading trainers at Santa Anita. And of course, we did get some from Steve Asmussen. So it, it looks like it's going to be an exciting day. And uh, the weather should be you know, pretty nice, maybe in the high 60s. And we'll have a card of 10, 10 big races. I'm excited about that. Now, normally this happens uh, about a month to five weeks later, but now right. we've got this race uh, coming uh, you know, relatively early into the racing season, about six weeks into the racing season. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But just to recap, uh, the Derby uh, used to be a 50-point race, or as it was at 40. I'm trying to remember how many 50 points. 50 to the winner. 50, uh -huh. right. 50 to, to the winner. And now, now it's it, dropped to 20. Okay. So it's considerably less. And... Dustin Dix, our director of racing, thought that we might as well have the race earlier to allow the winner to have another shot and another prep race in time that he could make plans for that because you're probably going to need to win one of these 20-pointers and then do well you know, in a race that offers 50 to the winner and maybe 20 to the second. So this will, this will give those connections that opportunity. And um, you know, we're still a ways out from the Kentucky Derby. It's not till the first Saturday in May, so there's time. And I think that it's going to really help our season. It's going to energize it. And what we did a little bit is move some of the races that used to happen on Southern Derby Day to closing day mm -hmm. to strengthen April 7th's card. So I think it'll have a double-edged effect and, and help us out quite a bit. But meanwhile, if you look at uh, just Sunday alone, we've got the Derby, we've got the Sunland Park Oaks, the Harry Henson Handicap, we have the Bill Thomas Memorial Stakes, and then we also have the Enchantress Stakes and the Red Hedeman Miles. So there are plenty of uh, terrific races uh, coming up this Sunday. I would imagine it's going to be quite a bonanza for betting. You know, we should probably handle a couple million dollars on the card and all those opportunities that Dustin allows us to have from, you know, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, and pretty good field sizes throughout, and possibly a Fox Sports 1 association with the race, too. Could have some extra exposure there, but um, I like the card. I see some pretty strong favorites. I see a lot of Todd Fincher doing quite well. He possibly could win three stakes on the day, Steve, which wow. just depends on where you want me to start with which race. He's in the red heat of a mile. That'll be the first stakes that we have. And he's got Community Leader. Community Leader's a horse that we've spoken of a lot on our show, locally owned by Kirk and Judy Robeson. This horse won the Cordelito Steakhouse Stakes, and prior to that, won big races at uh, Rodosa Downs and Zia Park. The only wrinkle in this is that all these Newly turned three-year-olds are going to try a mile for the first time. And that can always be uh, a bit tricky because some of these uh, New Mexico breads really haven't been tested at that distance. Uh, there is one that has gone the distance, but I don't know if he's really proven for class. That's horns and halos for Todd Fincher as well. The numbers don't quite stack up. It should be community leaders race. I'm sure he's going to be patiently ridden. And uh, the, one to, the one to beat, at least resume-wise, 
he towers over the field because he's earned $350,000. As far as uh, the second big race for Todd Fincher, which one is that going to be? That would be the Harry Henson. Another odds-on choice. I mean, it's... There's length separating uh, Flying Connection from the rest of the field. Flying Connection is a well-traveled, classy filly that was good enough to run in the Kentucky Oaks last year. I mean, against the best three-year-old fillies in the country. And she ran a courageous race. She did all the heavy lifting in that race. She set the pace, led for three calls, finished sixth in uh, a field of 10. But I really was impressed by the way she ran and the heart she showed. Later on last year in 2023, she went on to beat boys at my other track, the Downs at Albuquerque. She won the Charles Taylor Derby and she romped in the Zia Park Oaks. And uh, she's such a fine filly that uh, one of the nation's leading riders loves her. Joel Rosario will be here among some other mounts that will have uh, during the, the big day card to ride her. She's an awesome filly, and I don't see anybody that can get in her way. There's, there is the defending champion in the race, the 11-to-1 long shot winner from last year's Harry Ensign, that city on the Nile. And she's a fine, fine mare, uh, much improved mare. She used to be a claimer. Uh, I just don't think she can go toe-to-toe with yeah. such a, a well-powered uh, filly like Flying Connection. Trek will be trying to figure out who's going to be second in that race. Eric Alwyn with us right now. He is the track announcer for Sullivan Park Racetrack and Casino and a longtime director of public relations. Talking about the big weekend, Sunday race day. Um, we've been bringing up Todd Fincher because he's been so successful at this racetrack. Now, you've mentioned the two horses. How about number three? Let's see. Um, Todd, I think, is going to be running uh, another another fine horse in the Bill Thomas Memorial. And that's really not one of the, the heavy favorites he's got. He's got Candy Allen and the Oaks, but we might as well talk about the Bill Thomas Memorial because Espionage mm-hmm. uh, isn't Todd's horse, but is Todd's father's horse, Leroy Fincher. And Espionage won the Fort Bliss Stakes uh, just about a month ago, coming from off the pace. Very dangerous if the pace gets hot in that race. And that's the sprint race. Steve Asmussen has Jackson Traveler. Todd has Perfect Dude, who's coming off about a year layoff uh, since running at Turf Paradise. Probably the now horse, the horse with the greatest resume, is Minette Star. And that's the uh, half-brother to Minette Bird, who's really carving out quite a illustrious career in his own right. He won the Zia Park Championship the last time out at Zia. Of course, that was a mile and an eighth race, but he is capable of winning a race at six and a half furlongs. No problem. Uh, he won the Budweiser at Albuquerque, and uh, I, I think that he'll probably be, you know, the lukewarm favorite, but his numbers are strong. He's well-rested, hasn't uh, had a race since late November, and I've noticed that his trainer, Nancy Summers, has really heated up in the last couple of weeks, throwing in a number of winners the last week. She's even got a horse that uh, won recently that she was going to wheel back in the Oaks, and that's Methods. But uh, I like mine that star in that race. The 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 other big star that uh, Todd Fincher has, though, will run in the Oaks, and that's Candy Isle. She's won three of four races, and she overcame a lot of traffic issues to win the Borderplex uh, here at Sunland just about a month ago. Be first time routing, but the way she runs, the patience that she shows, the way she can get directions from the rider, change leads, 
accelerate down the lane late. I don't think there's any issues or any worry about the extra distance. There are some good ones, though, in that race that have a little bit higher figures. Uh, Phil D'Amato, the trainer of Stronghold, is going to put Simply Enchanting in this race. And he really saved the race because there's only six. Without him, I don't know if the Oaks would have made, but Simply Enchanting won her debut at the Santa Anita and got a very strong 78 buyer, highest in the field. Steve Asmussen has recharged, and I, I was hinting at this horse that Nancy Summers has for Judges Lanier Racing. That's a horse called Methods, who back on February the 9th, that was just a few days ago, is going to wheel back nine days later and try to win her first stakes race after beating the boys in a maiden event. You mentioned Phil D'Amato a little while ago, Eric, and uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, his horse for the Sunland Derby, you tell me, is it one of those horses that when you see the horse's results and really look at the buyer figures, you feel like he has an opportunity to become not just a favorite for this race, but a chance to possibly run in the Derby if things can go well for him? He could. He's got all the credentials you look for. He's by Gosapper, a former horse of the year. He is a bit speed laden in his mother's breeding. He's out of the a Jimmy Creed mare. He's already been two turns uh, once, and that was in the Los Alamitos Thoroughbred Futurity that was held on December the 16th. Uh, there were two, two Baffert horses in that race that were first and third, and Stronghold was in the middle of those two and only got beat a half length. His buyers... To be honest with you, Steve, they're just one point better than Lucky Jeremy. So in my mind, no, I'd rather go for Lucky Jeremy. Why, you ask? Hadn't had to ship around. He's been here since uh, early January. He won the Riley Allison Derby quite convincingly. Got an 84 buyer for that. Stronghold running second in that Los Al Futurity. Got an 85 but you could maybe project some more improvement for Lucky Jeremy because he's had two more local workouts since winning that race. And I think he's he's got great breeding on both sides. He's a looking at Lucky son out of a war chant mare. Those types can usually run all day. It it could come down to a match race between those two. It seriously could. We've also seen, Eric, upsets in the Sunland Derby. Uh, there's no yeah. doubt about it. We've seen last huge. Year, huh? Yep, absolutely right. You know, you never know how that race is going to end up. So why don't we talk about it's an eight-horse field, some of the other horses, because I think it bears mention that if people love to play long shots, you'll have a few of those in this race as well. You will. There'll be a few. Not that this horse is going to be a long shot, Steve, but Informed Patriot has resume credentials that are decent. Steve Asmussen is his trainer. He's by Hardspun. He's also owned by Kirk and Judy Robeson. Boy, they've been such, such successful owners over the long haul, not just at Sunland, but you know across the country. And this horse was third in the Smarty Jones at Oaklawn, a very, very tough meet, got an 82 buyer, and his figures are, are ascending. He's likely to be a third choice in this race, but really not a long shot, maybe three to one. Four to one. Um, if you're really looking for a knockout blow, I mean, maybe could we make a case for Curlin's Chaos? This is uh, another Santa Anita shipper coming in, having one on the grass at Santa Anita. Looks like he prefers running on grass, but 
he has he has the right kind of style to come from off the pace. Remember, this year's race is only a mile and a sixteenth, so it is a bit shorter than last year's. The horse that I kind of like, not to win it, but if you were looking for a rabbit, the horse that could be the thief in the race, what about a lot of luck? He made uh, Lucky Jeremy work quite a bit in the Rally Allison Derby and was a good second, only beaten two lengths. But there was a huge chasm between a lot of luck and surrounded by angels, some 11 lengths. So I kind of think that there are a few horses here that are up against it. No trouble, surrounded by angels and Durango. Just too much to overcome. Of course, I say that, you know, in last year's winter, you know, Wild on Ice did about the same thing. Had a huge form reversal over horses that had trounced him. But the great Joel Marr trained him. You know, so that's that was the reason probably why he won that race. Uh, do we have Joel in this year's race? We do. No Trouble was a maiden winner last time out. Time before that, he was second to a lot of luck. So if you're looking for a long shot, maybe it is No Trouble. The same connections return. Ken Hill and Joel Marr. We're talking right now to uh, Eric Alwyn here, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack on Track Talk as we get ready for Sunland Derby weekend. There are six total stake races coming up on Sunday. Does that mean we will have the pick six as well? We don't run the pick six, Steve. It's uh, a bet that just has never taken hold in New Mexico. I don't quite know why. You know, when we were young men, the twin trifecta was the the big deal. But uh, through the 80s and, and through some tremendous carryovers, I think it broke a lot of people. So there really isn't that mega, mega bet here in New Mexico anymore. Good handles, though, on races like this. You could probably have six-figure pick four pools, pick five pools, and certainly the exactas and trifectas are going to be great. It should be the biggest handle day of the of the season. I agree Two, with three, that. Three, four million. I mean, there's going to be a lot in those pools, so you could make a ton of money if you could defeat a favorite in these sequences, but... I'm telling you, Steve, it looks like chalk is going to talk throughout throughout the whole day. There's just just a, an enormous amount of favorites that look pretty sharp. Chalk is going to talk. That is my yes. favorite Eric Alwynism. I from saved today. that one for you. I love it, and I and I stole it from an announcer in Louisiana, my dear friend John McGarry. It's a great Love that guy. It's a great statement. It is terrific. Uh, again, uh, get there early on Sunday, Eric. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you. Very important. The uh, seminar with Tom Dawson and Julie Farr, our paddockosis. They're going to be in the signature showroom of these, as they usually are each and every year at eleven a.m. for a free handicapping seminar. Tom's about the best in the business, producer of racing shows, and knows the three-year-old hunt to the Derby each and every year. Julie is extremely formidable on uh, picking these races here at Sunland. She's having her best year of picking winners here uh, in both the quarter horse and thoroughbred ranks. Of course, uh, Sunday will be an all thoroughbred card, so a bit of a departure from our our normal menu. I'm excited about it. Can't wait for Derby Day on Sunday. I'll see you out at the track and everybody else. And uh, Eric, as always, terrific stuff. And uh, can't wait for the big one uh, here late Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it.
Track Talk with Eric Alwyn uh, each and every week right here uh, at 600 ESPN El Paso. we got so much more coming up on the program, but right now let's go out to Charlie One and get ourselves this traffic update. 23 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. So this weekend, folks, Sunday is going to be a monster, monster day out at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino with the 2024 uh, Sunland Derby. Can't wait to be out there to see that at the track. It is going to be a massive day. Six stakes races, Adrian, over the course of one day, including the Sunland Park Oaks, the Sunland Derby. You've got the Red Heatman Mile, the Enchantress, the Harry W. Henson Handicap, the Bill Thomas Memorial Stakes. It is just, a, it's a monster. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, and this is why we do it, right? This is why we have all these weeks with Eric Alwyn from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino uh, joining us, talking racing, talking horses every single week. It's to get ready for the big one, the Derby, and I'm so excited that it's already here this weekend. If you missed any of that or you want to hear it again, not only will we include it in our podcast, our uh, Listen On Demand, but also I'll have that on our YouTube channel. So you'll be able to watch that video with Eric, and you'll be able then to uh, get all the information you need in time for the race. You ever go out to uh, Del Mar and see the horse or Santa Anita and see the races out there? I haven't, but I, I really want to. That should, that's on my bucket list to definitely do soon. Meanwhile, guess Cade's rating in college football 2025. We put up a poll here a little while ago. Here's the deal, okay? So Cade, who's ready to go for the college football 25, you can guess his rating. In fact, you can comment your rating below, and the closest will win a gift from Cade. We're not telling you what it's going to be. That's his decision, but he will gift something to whoever gets the closest to his actual rating. Here are the four scores you can vote on. Number one, 75 and up. Number two, 70 to 74. Number three, 65 to 69. And number four, lower than 65. You only have throughout today's show to vote, so you need to vote in the next couple of hours to do this. Cade has already endorsed this um, rating himself, and uh, we will see, in fact, how many votes we get and what your rating will be. Just to give people an idea, I think 99 is the highest rating that EA gives out for football, and I was looking at Madden 24. Their lowest rating was 26. That's low. So it is very, very low. But, I mean, most of them are in that, you know, 70 to 99 range. And then I guess if you're a seldom-used player who hasn't seen the field, they'll give you that low score just because you've never played. But I'm so interested to see when this game comes out what your rating is going to be. I'm very interested, too. And like I said, I'm probably more interested. Well, I get, no, I'm just as interested in the overall score. But I am also very interested if the attributes that they give are going to be just as specifically ranked as they do the overall. That's kind of, that's kind of my uh, test for EA is like how, how in-depth are they really going to go? Um, because there's a lot of players in college football, and it's going to take a lot for them to actually specify it down. But the more they do, good on them. Yeah, we're excited, and uh, we do believe that ultimately, as the ratings uh, keep coming out, the the uh, you know the votes keep coming out, we will update people on on the standings and where we're at. Meanwhile, Enrique Ortiz had the greatest line ever. He said, "Don't worry, Cade. When I pick up my copy of College Football 25, I'll tweak the ratings uh, to give you a higher rating." That's awesome. I mean, I. 
I want to go give him a special gift right now just for that. By the way, uh, you awesome. can you can do that playing games, can't you? You can actually tweak somebody's rating. I don't know. Is that like um? Is that considered? Um, you know, when you go into those games, there's, there's a word for that. What is that called? When you're like you're modding tra- it, you're you're going off and and doing a little cheat cheat code there. Yeah, that's kind of what I what I was thinking of. I, I forget my my son always uses a word to describe when. Oh, it's a hack. Is that what it is that is that considered a hack when you go in and you kind of alter somebody's rating to make it higher or is that like a legal thing you can do? I th- that that's the legal thing. Like you're allowed to go in in the game and like when you go into exhibition modes and things like that like you can change people's like sliders or attributes to yes. be better. That's just part of like, you know, the fun of being able to manipulate the game especially back on NCAA 2014. Okay. Where you could like you can actually download rosters and things like that from like on the old game to have like new players names on it it oh, just cool. wasn't up to date yeah so no this wouldn't be a hack this is legal he's just naturally you know changing the sliders on his own game but i still love it all right that makes sense uh by the way i'm looking right now and we've had uh, 11 votes early on so there's plenty of time to do this and plenty of votes that can keep coming in but at least early on 45.5 percent voting 75 or higher 27.3 believe it's going to be between 70 and 74, 18.2 are saying lower than 65, and 9.1% going 65 to 69. Now, I do believe a lot more votes will be coming in on this poll between now that we just got another 21 votes. So things are getting interesting now. All of a sudden, the votes have changed, Cade. Now, 35. 38% are voting 65 to 69, 28.6% going 75 or up, 23.8 or 70 to 74, 9.5% say lower than 65. So that means that 90% of those that have voted all believe you're going to be somewhere between 65 and 75 or up. Listen, I, here, here's what I'll say about that, right? I... I I know exactly the type of quarterback I am, all right? And regardless of the NCAA rating, we're going to be okay over here in UTEP. But but I actually don't think that in that range like is horrible. Like if if, yeah. if I'm in the 70s, I would say I would be happy with EA for that. Somebody who only played half the season, you know, was younger as far as all that type of stuff goes in in group of 5, right? right? Where like, you know, they're going to have some obviously discrepancy between power 5 and group of 5. So if I'm in the 70s, I think I would be happy with that. Do you feel like if you only played one game last year and it was the FIU game, you would be in the 80s just because of what you did against FIU last season? If they based everything off of the FIU game, I think I could be in the 80s. If they based everything off of the first quarter of the FIU game, then I might be in the 90s. Yeah, you might have to look at some Heisman numbers right there for EA right Right. there. Unfortunately, I don't think they base it off of one quarter of play. Cade, they do base it off of the three attributes that include arm strength, accuracy, and speed. So let's get it from you. You tell us the the number that you should be on all these. So arm strength, where are you at right now? Okay, I I would give myself, like in the grand scheme of things uh, for arm strength, probably around like an 80. 
Okay, accuracy. Uh, I would go higher than that. I, I think my accuracy is really good. I'll give myself you know a 90 in accuracy on Cade's scale. So is the speed is what, what's going to take it back? Yeah, the speed could take it back a little bit, but we were banged up a little bit last year. You I know? don't know. I'd give you a 70 on your speed. I watched you last year, and I always felt like you never looked comfortable running with the ball when you ran. I want to see uh, when you're going to run – I want to see the. I want to see you getting kind of in your comfort zone and feeling as good about running with the ball as you do throwing the ball. Trust me, I want that too, Steve. We were we were a little banged up last year. We didn't talk about it on the show a bit, but you know your boy got your boy got bounced around a little bit. The knee the knees were a little swollen at times, so sometimes the uh, the mobility factor was more down on the scale than uh, okay. we would like for it to be. But that's what the off season's for, right? Heal up, swelling goes down, speed goes up. Mobility goes up, and then maybe you never know. Maybe you get a higher NCAA rating out of it. Stop going head first into guys. Like you did that last year when you were running. I'm like, what is he doing? Slide. You played baseball. Get the baseball slide down perfectly so when you're running and they're about to clobber you, you take the slide and so you don't get destroyed. Uh, I'm going to be very, I'm going to be very honest for a second. I don't think I've ever said this on air. Maybe, I don't know. But first half of the Middle Tennessee game last year. You know, we were moving the ball in the offense. It was good. It, it wasn't like we were playing bad. But those guys beat me up in the first half. And I remember sitting in the locker room going into the second half saying, okay, when I run this ball in the second half, if I got to go down, I'm, I'm going to slide. I'm going to slide before one of, one of these guys crushes me again and I got to take another hit. So this, this is probably a time that I need to get down. Okay. Uh, guesses are coming in like crazy on your scores. We'll give not just the range, this the point guesses. We're going to do that as well. 33 pass. The sports talk continues. Caden McConnell, College Football 25, EA Sports. We're doing it all right now. Here's Adrian at Sports Center. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, listeners are going uh, wild on Twitter and X with voting and giving us ratings for Cade. All right. No sneak peeks. I'm going to give these to you on air. Don't don't cheat. Uh, J.K.H. Nizir goes with a 72. Okay. 72. It's respectable. Um, Enrique Ortiz, 71. Alberto Salcido, 78. And then Dario Omar Avila, 66. It's a little low. It's a little, a little low. low. All right. My favorite uh, is a text that came in from Lewis. He texts in and says, UTEP is about to have a natty in two-team sports thanks to Haskins and myself in NCAA Dynasty mode. So there you go. And he followed up with this. And Cade is winning the Heisman, by the way. Yes. So Lewis will get UTEP a natty in NCAA Dynasty mode for College Football 25. How about that? That's awesome right there. I love to see it. And you're going to win the Heisman. Even better. That's just the icing on the cake. Oh, my goodness. That is great. So um, as far as the voting goes, let me take a look at the latest uh, votes and where we stand right now. Um, Almost 30 votes are in. So far, it's close. But almost 40% are in that 65 to 69 point uh, rating range. 25% are going 70 to 74. 21% 75 and up. 14.3% 14.3% lower than 65 for you. By the way, to put this into perspective, Texas Football Magazine, Dave Campbell, predicts that UTEP's highest rated player will be Maurice Westmoreland with an 80. That's what they believe will happen. So if Maurice Westmoreland's got an 80, where could Cade end up on the poll? And by the way, is it safe to say that 
after Maurice, Cade could be the highest rated minor on the list because he's one of the few players that actually had a chance to perform well and is returning from last year's team. Close your ears, Cade. Close your ears. Don't listen They're to They're closed. All right, I would put A.J. Odoms up there as well. You know, you got to throw his name in the mix. Sure. He's somebody who uh, is going to be coming back, starting corner. Uh, I have a lot of faith in. I, I, you know, not saying I don't have any faith in you, Cade. Come on. We, we know this. Uh, he's family. I also, he's family. Yeah, Come he's on. family. Yeah, we're all here. good here. We're yeah, all good. This is a lot of bias here from us. So yeah. I said 75 for the record. Uh, you'd also throw in the conversation, you know, some of the uh, D1 transfers that came in. So, I, I mean, even throwing in, you know, your new kicker from North Texas or your new punter, uh, you know, forgive my ignorance there on which one it is. You throw Buzz Flabiano in the mix just because he's returning as well. You throw in Otis Pitts in that conversation too because he had a lot of starts under his belt. You could say the same about Aluma Nikelli. So maybe uh, this offensive line, you see some of the returning guys get some of the benefit of the doubt, or maybe they're just kind of right on par with Cade. Like maybe if you're going to give uh, an overall rating of like a 70 to a 75, maybe some of those guys get in the mix too. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. I mean, look, um, there could be plenty of guys that are in that 70 range. And we don't even know if Maurice Westmoreland is going to be 80. I mean, isn't that also interesting to wonder who will be the highest rated UTEP player and how high will their rating be? Could it be 82 or 84 or will it be in the 70s? We just don't know. You know, it'd be really it's an interesting question. And uh, shout out to Kelly Akari. You know, I hope he's doing well at Mississippi State. Just talked to him yesterday. But it would be really interesting if Kelly had returned this year and stayed uh, here at UTEP, what his rating would be. Because we talked about, you know, obviously there's going to be some discrepancies between big power five schools and group of five schools. And, you know, I understand that our record wasn't great last year, but Kelly had an exceptional year, um, over a thousand yards receiving and put up great numbers. Like, I wonder what a guy like that ends up rating wise on the game who had recognition is a known name wouldn't have to take you know developers wouldn't have to go into a deep dive to find his attributes and what kind of player he is i wonder what that rating would have popped out as me too and by the way i'm also interested to see what guys like Dion hankins and torrence burgess what their rankings are going to be when they're going over to play in a school like texas state and how those numbers will be uh for next year that's also an, an interesting stat to keep an eye on no no doubt it's it's really interesting because like we said EA has a, their work cut out for them as they far do. as how detailed they're going to be with this. Um, and the cool part is, is the more detailed or the more flexibility they give, or or all those different kinds of things are going to really excite college athletes and yep. then fans around. You know, for each of those teams, because that's that's the cool part about NCAA football as a video game is that it's more. It's not just the pro teams; it's everybody's college, and you have a little bit more of a connection when it's yep. that school. And the fact that you can play as the players that maybe aren't as you know famous or ha- have as much recognition. Like like that, the little intricacies and the details are kind of what keep people coming back to it. Cade, can you set the record straight? Are you going to receive a copy for being a part of this? So I don't know. I don't know. Completely speculative. Um, these are completely just rumors. But I heard something that we were going to get, you know, some type of denomination for being in the game. Thank you for being a player, and we're using your name and your name, image, and likeness, quite literally. Um, and you know, I don't know exactly what that money looks like, but it'll be, you know, not anything crazy big or not anything small necessarily but uh it'll be a fixed amount and then the copy of the game is what i had heard rumored i don't know if any of that's true but i can tell you that you know if they were to say okay here's 500 dollars and a copy of the game i'm pretty sure you know players around the entire country are going to be 
very happy with that just because we want to play the game too. I'm fascinated to see like after a touchdown, if they'll show you with your helmet off celebrating and actually come up with like a likeness that matches your actual face or if they're just going to keep you with your helmet on and not really show so much what you look like as a, as a, as a person. I would have to say that like they have to keep the helmet on or else they'd have to come do some type of like develop I mean that's that's a lot of development like to do get Do they do that with Madden? Do how does Madden work? Do they actually can you see the faces? Yeah. Yes. You can. So yes. you wonder will they do the same thing? I mean it just it's you know, I see it's a lot of work but if you're doing this you got to do it right. No, it's true and if they had that level of detail like I said I think this could potentially be the biggest sports video game of all time. It's definitely the most yeah. anticipated because of the gap that happened and so many people have been waiting for it for so long that I think it really has the chance to be the number one and and all the little details are going to make it really cool but I think they maybe they maybe they do something with like you know super you know recognizable players maybe like some of the guys that were for Heisman last year or people that everybody know where like they have maybe clips or cut scenes of them without their helmet on got it you know in the game and maybe people that are less recognizable or popular don't get that I'm not sure what they about need coaches? to have the flow they need to have your flow for sure I know the hair was long during the season too. It was it was kind of coming out of the back of the helmet. I mean, if they got that in there, I'd be stoked. Coaches, will we see Scotty Walden jumping up and down on the sidelines, or will they not show the coaching staff? Are they just going to focus on the players? Here's what I think. I think in WWE uh, 25, they should have Coach Walden in there as a WWE superstar. That'd that, be great. That's more. I think he would fit in there just as well as he'd fit in on the sidelines of the NCAA game. Uh, but either one, if if they get Coach Walden on the sidelines, we're going to be real happy. And how amazing is the Sun Bowl going to look in NCAA 25 when they take that stadium? That is the number Number one thing that I think I'm most excited about overplaying is myself. And I mean that because one of the things that they showed in the trailer for anyone who saw the trailer that came up um, and they were kind of talking about, you know, little things that are going to happen in NCAA and things that, you know, the people had questions about, they were kind of answering. But in the trailer, they were basically had like a little cut scene where they were like, you know, um, 3D mapping like stadiums and being very detailed with them. And I really, really hope that the Sun Bowl gets that recognition. I think that we have one of the best stadiums in the country, hands down, especially definitely probably the best group of five stadium in the country. And the Sun Bowl is so special. It's so cool with all the rocks sucking in. I hope they get those details right. And wow. one of the things they also said in this game is that you're going to be able to play at different times of day finally. Oh, man, that's beautiful. So you can play you know, your 12 o'clock kickoff. You can play your afternoon kickoff, and you can play your nighttime games, which is really cool. Like I, I'm looking forward to playing in the Sun Bowl. Meanwhile, I gotta, we got to get a developer for this game on the show. We need somebody from EA Sports who is specifically in charge of developing this game to find out just how granular and how detailed this game is going to get. I would love that. Make sure I'm on the show that day, please. Done. All right. Uh, 544 at the time. we got plenty more in store for you. So stay with us. 505-6009 gets you into the show as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Joins us next, 505-6009. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Hey, good, Steve. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the way that Conference USA is uh, constituted right now, UTEP probably has some of the better facilities. I would think what you guys were just talking about, the Sun Bowl and with the Haskins Center. I mean, I don't even think any of the other schools can compare, can they? What, what do you think of that? 
Um, Facility-wise, that's the interesting question. I know some of the newer programs that just came in here are investing in, in facilities, but let's just use attendance, for example. I feel like in basketball, New Mexico State and UTEP are clearly ahead of everybody in attendance. Western Kentucky only had 3,300 for the UTEP game last night, so they're not drawing any fans. And as far as football goes, we always feel the same thing, that when UTEP has a product that fans are excited about, they will draw 40000 or more per game. And very few uh, schools in Conference USA can boast that same thing. Yeah, and when when uh, UTEP first joined Conference USA, they uh, some of the teams that are left, there's not that many teams left, right? Just yeah. what, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee. Is, everyone else has bailed out, it seems like, right? That's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah and then you got... Abilene Christian coming in, and you just uh, no Abilene uh, Abilene Christian. I don't think they're coming. Um, Sam Houston State just arrived. Uh, Next year we're getting Kennesaw State, but Abilene Christian is not Uh, on that list just yet. Okay, still in the whack. Back in the day, Conference USA. We're talking years ago, but it was a heck of a. Well, it had Marquette, Louisville, DePaul. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a really good basketball conference back and then, then. And then they all left yeah. the uh the year UTEP arrived. Yeah. So could could you rehash? I know we've talked about it a million times, but why was UTEP not invited into the Mountain West when when the WAC disbanded like that? So what ended up happening was the WAC broke in half in nineteen ninety eight. Half the half the league uh, formed the Mountain West. The other half uh, stayed in uh, the WAC, and the truth is UTEP was not invited. Uh, And I don't know why in 1998 they were left out. Maybe New Mexico secretly didn't want UTEP to be in with them. You never know. I wasn't wasn't privy to those meetings. Nobody that was around then ever admitted why UTEP wasn't there. But all I can tell you is they didn't know it was coming, and they were more reactionary than uh, trying to be proactive because, Adrian, by the time it happened, uh, UTEP was left out uh, probably wishing they had that invite. Yeah, and as far as the future goes, the reason why they're not invited is they're just not winning. They don't have anything comparable to other Mountain West schools right now uh, as far as facilities, as far as donors as far as money so that's just I mean that's a small version of why it's not happening real quick on the facilities uh, Jacksonville State uh, committed uh, about a million dollars to upgrade their facilities Sam Houston State is actually upgrading their football facilities adding a press box adding a lot more seats uh, to one side of their facility Liberty this uh, actually last week approved 4.5 million dollars for athletic facility upgrades across the board and then last year around this time the Aggies actually were received a $15 million grant from the uh, New Mexico Board of Regents to approve a new football locker room. So there you go. There's your facility updates. Definitely. Good stuff, Mike. Appreciate the call. Two hours down, one to go. We'll come back. Kate's sticking around. We'll take you up till 7 right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, One hour to go, baby. The weekend is right around the corner. TGIF, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, Cade McConnell, Steve Kaplowitz with you. Excited about uh, our final hour together. In fact, let's take a look at the um, let's take a look at the numbers right now and see where uh, Cade is currently um, 
How many votes do we got now? 57. Okay. Wow. Hey, I love the interaction. I want to get to, to 100 votes in the next hour. That would be great if we could. But it's so interesting. Like, if we look at our, and I love the interaction too. And by the way, it's really an interesting poll because of the 57 that have voted, wanting to know what your college football 25 rating will be from EA Sports. Uh, apparently, it's going to come out later this summer. Um, one out of every five people are saying you're going to be 75 or higher. That's their prediction. Okay? One out of every five. And then that's good. 33% are in that 65 to 69 range. 29.8% are in the 70 to 74 range. And 15.8% are in the lower than 65 range. Now, Alfonso Frias had a really interesting comment. No disrespect, he put on Twitter and X. Nothing personal. Don't you love it when a listener starts out with no disrespect, nothing personal? You're okay. Let's, let's put up the barricade here. But here's what he said. But I remember UTEP quarterbacks were usually landing in the 60s back in the day, and the starters were landing in the low 70s. Since UTEP has so much roster turnover, I doubt EA is going to do their homework on this team, so I'm going to say 65. I I get that. I get that. And like I said, I think that there is a very good chance that happens. There's a lot of players across Division I college football, and it might just be that UTEP gets lower overalls than other schools, and so maybe that pushes some people down from the talent level that they're actually at. It's very well a possibility. I'm disappointed at that comment because the last time a video game at a college football uh, was there for UTEP, I think it was Nick Lamison who was the quarterback for UTEP. So let, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. Oh, God, Nick Lamison. I remember that name like it was yesterday. He came from Fresno State. Yeah, I don't know him. And he, had a, and he, had, he, was, he was pretty hyped. And Nick Lamison was just... Not very good. Oh. That's the best way to put it. Is, is that is that pretty accurate? That's the best good way. rapper. <laughs> yeah, it was a very good rapper. What's 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 happened to Nick Lamison? I don't know. That's a great question. Eleven I, years. I gotta ago. dive into that. It was eleven years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, some time ago. And if Were it wasn't Lamison, it was maybe Leftwich. If it wasn't him, it was Leftwich. So wait, God. in in honesty, right? Who? What do do I deserve a higher rating as of right now than Lamison? As far as when the last, you know, you said that was when the last game was out, right? Do it. Hang on. I need to, here's what I need to do, okay? I need to pull up Nick Lamison stats from his. You guys are far different players. Let's just say that. He was more of like so, a dual threat guy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So he's got me in the mobility, but what about the accuracy? Um, eh. No, nah, I never really thought Nick Lamison was that accurate either. I mean, that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm with you on that, Steve. I thought that Lamison, he had playmaking, Tim. Uh, he didn't have the greatest roster around him um, either. Those were the kind of like the final years of Price right before Kugler got in. So, yeah, that's how I – and I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe just a year or two here, not not that long. Gotcha. Uh, here it is. Okay, so here's Nick Lamison's stats, okay? This is what he did. He played two seasons at UTEP, two seasons only. And here is what he had, okay? In 2011 – by the way, Nick Lamison finished in 2012. The game finished in, in 2013. So probably there was another quarterback. Maybe after showers. That. Maybe showers right after. Yeah. But here's what he did. So he completed 58% of his passes his first year at UTEP for 1,718 yards, 12 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And then his second season, his senior season, 
He completed 50% of his passes for 1,600 yards, um, 12 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. So 24 touchdowns, 19 interceptions in two seasons with the Miners. Did he play yeah. he did he play the full season, both two seasons? Uh yeah, he did. Okay. In twenty twelve he did. I know that. But he, yeah, and he had one three hundred yard passing game, but most of the games he was in the hundred to hundred and fifty, like hundred and sixty yards. Uh this is not necessarily quarterback you, Cade. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Yeah. We're changing true. that, actually. We're changing that. Okay. Co- Coach Walden's coming in here. We're going to be a, uh, a deep threat offense that likes to push the ball down the field. We're going to go real fast, and Coach Walden's a quarterback guy. So UTEP uh, is going to become quarterback you, Adrian. Nick Lamison's best game of his, uh, of his senior season against New Mexico State, the Miners won 41-28. He was 21 out of 32 for 300 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he followed that up against Wisconsin on the road. Oh, wow. They lost 37-26. But he was 22 out of 39 for 259 and two touchdowns, no picks. Not bad. That's no. Actually, that's good. I mean, especially that's a great game against New Mexico State. Yeah, or, it was terrific against NMSU. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the but game. But, like, think it. about, okay, so look about this. This is, this is what UTEP had to do back in 2012, okay? Just to give you an example. They start off at home against Oklahoma. Rough. They lose that game 24 to 7. Oh, wow. It was close. Yeah. Landry Jones was the quarterback against the Miners that game. And they hung in there. If you remember correctly, that was like a game that they were in there in the fourth quarter. Sadly, Lamison was 6 of 23 for 39 yards. Oh, no. Not a big game passing against Oklahoma. But then they play at Ole Miss, home against New Mexico State, and at Wisconsin. That was their non-conference that season. That's a rough non-conference for Oh, sure. my God. Then they fought. And then here's their league. At East Carolina, home against SMU, at Tulsa, home against Tulane, at Houston, home against Rice. What was the score? Does it have your scores right there, too? Yes. East Carolina, what was the score of it? They lost 28-18. Gosh, I was going to hold that over my dad's head. Nope. Dang East Carolina it. beat him. And by the way, um, that's how good Conference USA was you know, 13 years ago right. in terms of quality of competition. You know, we always talk about that. We always say that, you know, there's no reason for UTEP not to be at the top of the league because it's not nearly the league it was back in those days in the 2010, 2011, 2012 period. Absolutely. I think that right now in the state of Conference USA, when you've been in there for so long and you have teams coming into it, you have to be able to capitalize on teams coming into FBS or coming into the conference, and you have to take those as opportunities to win games. Guys, uh, in the 2013 NCAA football, I'll reel off the overall ratings for all the four quarterbacks they logged for UTEP. And it doesn't give me the name, it just gives me the number. So it was the starting quarterback was 73 Backup was 62, third string was 57, and fourth string was 53. So those are the overall ratings right there. How did you pull that up? This is off a MaddenRatings.Weebly website, and they have a list of all the quarterbacks who are rated in this that you had to download in an Excel file. So I've been doing the diggings back here. Oh, my goodness. I love that. That's amazing. By the way, at TizzardTX on Twitter and X just said, Time for me to buy a PlayStation again. He heard that college football's coming out, See? and now he's ready that. to go buy a PS5. That's what I'm saying. This is this is uh, cannot be understated of how how anticipated this game is. Antonio Lamas goes 73 on your ranking, which is also good. By the way, good. here's my um, here's my favorite. This is from uh, Quentin Martinez, who said uh, again something we need to bring back. Back when I produced sports talk. 
We used to simulate every game of the minor season on the latest NCAA football game as a regular segment in August. Maybe time to bring it back. Can you imagine if during our minor preseason kickoff podcast, we go game by game, not based on what we think is going to win, but based on a simulation yes. from the uh, NCAA College Football 25? Yeah, it's like we, we've got to actually get our predictions, the maybe some listener predictions, but then we got to get the NCAA football predictions as well and simulate oh, the yeah. full season. I think that's a great idea. Uh, hey, I just found the 2014 rankings. Man, I'm really doing a deep dive over here. By the way, I forgot Taysom Hill was the quarterback for for uh, BYU in the final football uh, game that came out in NCAA 14. Uh, so that's pretty funny in itself. But uh, UTEP is. has three quarterbacks listed in 2014. The highest rated quarterback was 78. His wow. Backup was 66, and the third string was 63. I think that starter was uh, was Jameel Showers. So credit to him. Was it really? Yes, I believe so. But this was NCAA 14, but it came out in 2013. Correct. Right? That's right. Yes. Okay, I'm going to see you real quick. I'm going to just pull up the 2013 UTEP football stats. By the way, they were 2-10 and 10 that year. That was Sean Kugler's first year. And his starting quarterback was Jameel Showers. Then there was Mac Lefwich, Blair Sullivan, Garrett Simpson. That was, 20, uh, that was 2013. 2014 for UTEP. When they went seven and six, but that was the year. Uh, that uh, sadly, that was the year after the last game came out. Right. That's when they had Showers as the main quarterback and a young freshman who rushed for thirteen hundred twenty-one yards uh, and eleven touchdowns. That goes by the name Aaron Jones. That makes sense. Can we get a quick rundown of Showers stats in two thousand thirteen? Um, oh, by the way, Aaron Jones also played in twenty thirteen. He had uh, 811 yards and four touchdowns that season as a freshman. So you need showers stats in from the, 13, yeah, from the 13 season. You said he well, we there were two and ten, or right. you want or you want the seven and six year and 14. Which no, no, the, the two and ten year, the 13, because okay. that would have been what the game was based on, right? Uh, or was yes. it based on 12? Was it no? That was based on 13. That's right. I think That's was right. it based on 13? No, yeah. was it because it came out in 2013, but it said 14. So it must have been based on the 2012 season, wasn't it? So I guess the stats were probably like that, but projected for the 13 season, which would finish up in 2014 for the BCS National Championship. So it's all projections, right? Like these are all projections based on what you did last year. Well, in 2013, Jamil Showers was, um, he had 57% completion ratings, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. How many yards? 1263. Okay. Oh. Mac Lefwich had 458. Because oh. uh, Showers played in seven games. Mac played in four. Blair Sullivan played in six games. And then Garrett Simpson played in one game. Now, if they did base it off the 2012 season, because the game came out in 2013 and it said 14, uh, then that was Nick Lamison's senior year. But I don't know if that, I don't think that happened, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Jamil Showers. 
Yeah, and if it wasn't uh, Jamil that year, uh, that would make sense knowing that Shower spent, what, that first season with Texas A&M uh, kind of trying to battle it out right. against Johnny Manziel and then ended up here at UTEP. So that could was, explain the 70-plus rating. Yeah, and that could also explain, you know, 2012 final year of Price, 2013 first year of Kugler. That was Kugler's top uh, recruit at the yeah. time that everybody thought, Jamil Showers, who, by the way, he played, uh, he had a cup of coffee with the Dallas Cowboys. So That's good true, stuff. Joe. All right. Makes sense. We're, we're piecing it together. We're like, you know, we are. This is basically like a uh, Sherlock Holmes edition of Sports Talk today where Adrian's just going deep and trying to really find everything out that he needs to. Hey, hey uh, real quick, guys. The, I think we have to make a purchase of NCAA 14. Blake Bortles, UCF. Uh, there's also Taj Boyd. There's a throwback name on Clemson. Jameis Winston led the way for Florida State that year. Derek Carr for Fresno State. Uh, you also had uh, Zach Mettenberger and Odell Beckham Jr. on LSU. Teddy Bridgewater with Louisville, I can go on and on. But where it's are we going to play this game if you buy twenty four? If you buy uh, fourteen, it's I think we got to buy like a PS three as well or an Xbox three sixty, something like that. I got a, I got the old Xbox somewhere. You guys can come over to my place. And we can play some uh, NCAA fourteen. Oh, that sounds like a that sounds like a blast. All right, seventeen passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. If you missed Minor Talk last night and you want to know which awards were given out, we'll tell you who won the hot hand of the game and the player of the game. We'll do that next, right after. Uh, we continue. Is Charlie one around or not? No, we know Charlie today. Okay, 6 o'clock, I forget. 6 on Fridays, that's usually the end of Charlie. But it's 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back. 21 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. How's your um, how's your uh, first day um, You know of... Of Friday Lent, uh, and and how's the uh, giving up uh, giving up sweets going for you right now? It's horrible, Steve. It's it's I I can't lie to you. It's awful. I'm tempted everywhere I look. Um, yeah, I you know we've had some great chocolates here in this building that have been tempting. I've had uh you know my parents were ready to yeah there he goes Kate I love it. Uh, my parents were ready to give me some Valentines. Um, I guess like chocolates, candies, and stuff like that. Had to turn them down. Uh, had the conversation with Alyssa earlier after our discussion on this show about what we can and can't do. We're sticking to like the dessert sweets and stuff like that. Not necessarily, you know, if uh, if my steak or something like that has some sugar in it, we're not going to exit out um, or stuff like that. Fruits definitely going to stay away from. We we did make the you know. The pact on that, the pack on that, but man, it's been difficult. It's been really, really difficult. Not easy. As I'm eating a piece of chocolate that Steve gave me, um, I brought him two boxes. To be honest with you, because they're so good, and and this is not to stick it and rub it in your face. I I really am not. I'm just saying it's good. <laughs> you picked a really tough time to do this, just because the radio station happened to have about a hundred boxes from their wine and chocolate uh, affair um, on Valentine's that we now are getting a chance to uh, enjoy. Let's put it that way. And they're very good. I just want to put that for the record. I, um, I've already taken down about half this box while sitting here. What did you have? The chocolate tip what? I had a chocolate-covered marshmallow, oh, so chocolate-covered pretzel, yeah. half a chocolate-covered Rice Krispie treat, and there's still an Oreo in there that I'm not going to touch because I still got to try to be somewhat healthy. That's good. That that would be the one that I'd go for first. I was just reaching in, Adrian. I didn't even it didn't even matter what came out. I was just going for it. The chalk. Now I got to get you this one because I I I was able yesterday. Let's see if they have this left. But 
They have a chocolate-covered, like, vanilla wafer. That is just ridiculous. I had that. That was the first thing I had yesterday, and I was like, oh, my God. And, I, and, and as I'm eating it, I just kept thinking of, I'm like, it's just not fair that Adrian gave up sweets this year. That was the first thing I thought of. I actually thought of him, not that I was Thank trying to you. stick it in his face, but that I, I felt bad because I wanted him to enjoy this because I know he, he's got a sweet tooth like the rest of us do. That's fair. I will yeah. say, though, if I had to give up like something, it would have to be sweet. As much as I love sweets, like it would have to be sweets that I give up. Yeah, that's why it's been, you know, this is going to be rewarding at the end. I, I think that... Uh, I'm, you know, 37 days, who's counting? Um, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to March 31st. What you're telling me is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for you. Yes, there is. Okay, I like that. Please. I, I want to know what the cheat meal is at the end of the tunnel. So it's Easter, right? So maybe it's, uh, I, well, I, I was I said this earlier this week, Kay, the For me, it's like candy. It's like gummy worms, gummy yeah. bears. Stuff so you're like full that. sweet tooth. Yeah, man. Mm. And it's and it, for me, it's like in the evening. It's like right after dinner, ready for that cookie. Like it's not during the day. It's yeah. not during the you know in the morning. It's like it's in the evening when I'm ready to wind down. Oh, mine's mine's ice cream all the way. By the way, like I I've I've gotten better because I said like I need to try to stop eating sugar. What's right? your go to ice cream? I'm a I'm a big like chocolate type of ice cream fan. Yeah. So like uh, back home we would have the Rite Aid. I don't know if they have Rite Aids here in Texas. I don't they think so. Rite Aids they don't. You know what I'm talking about that. I do. It's a pharmacy. Yes. yes. It's like a CVS or right, something like right. that. But they serve Thrifty's ice cream in them, and then they have them by the half gallons. And there was a point in time I remember like over COVID when I was like eating a lot, trying to gain weight, all this stuff. And like, I didn't really care what I was eating. I was trying to make sure I had enough protein and working out a lot. I would go downstairs and there would be chocolate malted crunch in the freezer. It was two for five bucks at uh, Rite Aid. And I would sit and I would probably have half of a half gallon of ice cream like a night. And I'm not exaggerating. It was really, it was really, it was a great time. That's the life of being a student athlete, Adrian. That's what it comes down to right there. Okay. I was going to ask you, Cade, you've probably seen some of these guys house some meals. Like I'm talking about the linemen and like the D linemen, not to stereotype or anything, but they're big guys. Right. No. Okay. This is so, I'm so happy you brought this up right now. I actually wish that maybe we could bring, have him on the show and we could bring, do another poll because this, I care about way more than my uh, NCAA rating. Me and Otis Pitts, guard for UTEP last year. Still on the team, still here, love Otis. We have gotten into a heated argument of whether or not he thinks he can take down 125 wings in two hours. He says, absolutely. Do not doubt him. Do not question him. I said, there's no chance. You're out of your mind. Hang on now. We might have to do this on the show. Um, What, uh, just seriously, serious question. Yes. What, like, Naked wings, breaded wings, or he doesn't care. No, so like like a naked type of wing, but like they're like the small bone in ones. Yeah, yeah you know of what I course, mean. Of course, and a wing. So like you can get them off easy or whatever. And the time limit was two hours, just okay. so you don't you know you're sitting there all day, right? He thinks that with some water and not too heavily sauced wings, and just you know they're pretty naked, like easy to go down. That he yeah. can get 125 wings. I said there's absolutely no. no chance. Okay, now give us an idea about Otis Pitts. How is like what, what height, weight? What are we talking about? Uh, Otis probably you know six two, six three, like three. 40, 330, 330, probably. Okay. That's exactly there. 6'3, 345. Okay, right. listen. Challenge accepted. The first ever 600 ESPN El Paso Sports Talk Wing Challenge will take place on air. Okay. While you're here during your internship. Okay. I will make sure that one of our restaurants that work with us will deliver 
125 naked wings to his specifications of how he wants it. Okay. And we will sit down at like 4 o'clock on a three-hour show and see over the course of two hours of that program if he can eat 125 of those wings. I love it. I love the idea. We can even go to the restaurant. I'll make an event about it. I will post it. We will have. I want on the. I want in studio. Like I wanted. I wanted actually here during the show. I feel like yeah. that is. The, it's, a, it's a good environment. Then that means you you could be the only one heckling him. We can give we can we can give running commentary over the course of the show. Okay, and then we can just continue to check back in with him and see how he's doing and how it goes from there. So you not not hot hot wings, but also not you know I mean these are you know, find out for me a little bit more. Do a little more de- digging because. I want to know. No, I have, one, all, I have all your questions parameter wise. Yeah, yeah, like he wanted like some like light seasoning, maybe. What does or that maybe mean? No like, flavor. Does that mean like a that, rub? Does that yeah, mean, or yeah, something? Does that mean yeah, dry exactly, rub? Does exactly. that mean lemon pepper? It could like, be. I want to know. Get do, do go a little more deep with this and find out exactly what kind of wing he wants, and we'll get we'll get this thing going. Okay. Because I like that. One hundred twenty-five wings in two hours. That would be uh, that would be a pretty remarkable thing. Can I get before we finish and wrap up this topic? Can I get your guys' expectations? Does he get it or does he not? What's the most you've ever seen him eat in one sitting? He said the most he's ever eaten in one sitting was around like 60, I think. Maybe like 50. He will not eat 125. Weeks. That's what I said. I said he's, I, he he's fall, out of He his will mind. fall short. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure here. If we bring him on air, if he's, like, I oh. picture a table right here. And I just picture, like, uh, like a bounty paper towel yeah, exactly. right there. And he's just he's just racking these wings. Can we bring in... Scotty Walden to yell at him, like try to hype him up and fire him up in studio during the contest. I, I'm tell you what, we probably could, as long as Otis is under the weight that he's supposed to be by like five pounds. So we know we have some cush room here yes. before he can, you know, you know, not be overweight or whatever he's supposed to be at for all of our made weights. Then I think we're all it's all fair game, right? Okay. So listen, here's what we need to do. Okay, there's there's a there's a there's a process to this because right now. Immediately, I'm thinking of a great, great segment or show that day because that will be fun to watch. It really will be. Now, what we will need to do mostly is make sure, number one, that we can clear this um, with Coach Walden and the team because I am not going to feed one of your teammates 125 wings without the permission of the staff. However, if that being said... We actually have, and this is a big, big part of this whole thing, okay? If Jared, is it Caster, yeah. the offensive line coach? Oh, yes, yes, Coach Caster, yes. If Caster says okay and Scotty Walden says okay, then I feel like we can absolutely do this on air during the show because this is like – Adrian, it's right up our wheelhouse. Yes, this is. And I would say there's got to be a table here. We probably have to live stream it, so we might need yeah, a, a couple right. more members with us, too, because we need, like, an Otis Cam, like, we just do. something that, that goes on the him Ot- specifically. The, yes. I also this, yes. was Does he like, have a nickname, by the way? Does Otis have a nickname? We call him OP. We could have the OP Cam. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, OP, big The pits. bottomless pit. R- there you go, right? I mean, this by is By the way, great. be careful about OP. Because that used to be a long, long-standing um, gay bar in El Paso for oh. years. The oh. OP, like when you're going to the OP, you were going to dance 
and uh, you also knew that uh, you could be getting hit on in the same night. It's okay. as simple. It's as simple as that. Wow. That's, it's not around anymore. It's called the Old Plantation. Anybody that lived in El Paso in the uh, you know, 90s, 2000s, uh, knows all about it. Maybe the 80s. Right. Not around anymore, but whenever I think of the OP cam, that probably would be the first thing that most El Pasoans <laughs> would come to mind. Right. So, yes. I, I do, uh, as we wrap this up, I do want to note that this argument, as far as whether or not he can finish the 125 wings, has been going on since about the beginning or middle of last season, and we argue about it in the training room as a large group like Probably on a weekly basis. Seriously? No, I'm being dead serious. This is a okay. this is a longstanding thing. Like every big guy, all of a sudden thinks that like they can eat every wing that is put in front of them, and a lot of other people are like on the fence about it. And then there's a ton of people that are like absolutely not. So we have a broad spectrum of players who have weighed in on this. Is it Otis's dream to actually do this? Like, is this something he wants to do? I don't or is it know, something but that you is, guys are just telling, telling him he can't do. I should have, you know, at the beginning of the segment, I should have just had you guys take it for a second. And I should have had Otis just call in because he is so passionate about this. Like he is okay. so believable. Here's, a, here's, what, here's what we're gonna do. AJ, let's do let's do Sports Center. Then we're gonna come back with awards from Minor Talk last night. And in our final segment, if you can get Otis on the phones, we'll call him up and we will see if he's up to the challenge here on Sports Talk. Okay, I, I'll, I'll get on it right now. Fair enough. Thirty-three passed. Let's do one last Sports Center update. Adrian's back with the latest. Adrian, thank you very much. All I can tell you is that uh, Kate is uh, he has reached out to Otis. He has given him the the uh, the challenge. And if everything goes well, we'll have Otis uh, Pitts on our final segment, our, our final countdown in about 10 minutes to see if he's up for this challenge. Let's wanna, do it. I want to I find this out. Uh, in the meantime, minor talk aired last night after the uh, UTEP loss to Western Kentucky. By the way, a uh, lot of things going on this weekend. UTEP uh, will be playing tomorrow, 3.30 countdown to tip off, 4 o'clock. They tip against Middle Tennessee right here with John Teicher on 600 ESPN El Paso. 1 o'clock, it'll be the women taking on Middle Tennessee. By the way, congratulations to Keitha Adams, win number 500 for her career last night. Huge milestone for Keitha. And then we've got the Sunland Derby weekend all Sunday long at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino with six races, including the big one, the uh, Sunland Derby, which this year will be worth 20 points for the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, very busy weekend, Steve. You also talk about the El Paso Chihuahuas. Want to give a shout-out to Angelo Olivas and the team out there. Tomorrow, they're going to be hosting a job fair. So if you're a parent out there and you've got a lazy – I'm just kidding. If you got a kid in your household that needs a summer job, a spring job, Send them out there. It's perfect for uh, you know somebody out there looking for a first job, maybe somebody out there just looking for a job, period, uh, and looking for something on the side. That's the El Paso Chihuahuas Job Fair, and that is happening tomorrow out at Southwest University Park. Awesome. So all that is going on as we continue here on the show. So that's big weekend. Now, uh, I had a question. This came in uh, from uh, one of our regulars. This was from Esteban. Uh, don't you normally air some of the previous night's minor talk? I think he's talking about the minor talk mashups that we uh, have have aired in the past. Wondering about that as well. Yeah, I would say this, Esteban. We had two callers last night, and uh, it was because people were really upset. We we had a good, uh, great show. But it was a primarily Twitter show, so everybody was posting on social media, chiming in with their comments and thoughts. But I appreciate you reaching out for that. I'm, I'm happy you like those mashups. And uh, assuming we get calls here on Saturday, win or lose, I think we'll have a good mashup coming up Monday. So just stay tuned. Excellent. Excellent. 
All right. In the meantime, the show aired. It went on. We had awards given out. Let's start first with our uh, win supply of El Paso, hot hand of the game. Yeah, this one, a uh, little controversial. I don't think Sal necessarily agreed with me on this one, but I still gave it to him anyways for his first half performance. I thought he was very impactful, and that was Zid Powell. Seven points, four rebounds, three assists, and 11 minutes of action uh, in the first half. Second half wasn't as polished on the offensive side, turned the ball over five times, but I liked how impactful he was in the first half. I thought when you, it, you're talking about UTEP, leading at the break, one of the big reasons was because of Zid Powell. All right. Uh, once again, folks, our hot hand of the game and every game is brought to you by Wind Supply of El Paso. In fact, they are a uh, champion dealer here in El Paso, a champion heating and cooling. They're the only champion dealer in El Paso. Now, if you are in need, especially the weather's starting to heat up a little bit before you know it, it's going to be back to 90 and 100 degrees again. If you want to stay cool as the weather gets hot, head on down to the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyalpaso.com. You'll find the certified champion elite dealers as well as your preferred champion dealers. There will be one near you. You will have names, numbers, and you can tell them, hey, I heard it on Sports Talk. We want a champion system in our house from our friends at Windsupply El Paso. Now time for our player of the game, which is brought to you by... Timothy Cantrell. Who did you get the POG to last yeah, night? Yeah, that's no question about it. It's Tay Hardy who wins this one. I think Tay Hardy's going to probably win a lot of these awards moving forward. He's the most impactful, most valuable, and most important player on this team right now. Tay Hardy, 19 points. Hits a, uh, a trio of threes in this game. Had four assists, three rebounds, 36 minutes of action, and uh, contributed with two steals. So Tay Hardy, player of the game. If you are looking to buy or sell your home here in El Paso, Timothy Cantrell is your trusted real estate agent with over 20 years of experience. He's got it all, knowledge, dedication, as well as resources. He'll make your real estate dreams come true. You can call or text Timothy today, 915-204-8441. That's 204-8441. Follow him on Instagram at Timothy Realtor for the latest listings and tips. Timothy Cantrell. As a sports talk continues right now, uh, 20 in front of five. As a sports talk rolls along, I believe we've got Ike on the lines as we continue. Ike, what's going on? How are you? Good, Steve. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks, Ike. Appreciate it. Listen, I want to push it a little further on the chicken wings. What do you have, Ike? Let me hear. Let's put this whole thing into the training room. And get this young man and and the challenge to sell some tickets and make a big difference, and even maybe put some challengers up against him, like myself. Ike, let me ask you something, okay? First off, um, just to give you an idea, Ike, Otis Pitts the third goes six three and three hundred and forty five pounds, okay? Um, first off, Ike, uh, what's your give me uh, give me your height and weight? What are we talking about here? Six one two ninety. Ah, not far off. I like that, Ike. Six one two ninety. Excellent. What is the um, most uh, chicken wings you have eaten over a two-hour period of time? So we'll go without all the sauces. Yes. And without all this frills. Sixty-one. Okay. So you're pretty much on. You're pretty much in line with Otis. That's uh, Kane. This in, is this is fascinating. I was in this Kansas is. City. I was in Kansas City in this same type of same type of challenge, mm-hmm. and boy, howdy, those 
those athletes could eat me under the table. By the way, when did the fatigue start to set in with you? When did you start realizing you just couldn't do it anymore? Like when you were near like wing number 50 and 51? No, when I was 59 years old. No, no, not, no, no. I don't mean like age-wise. <laughs> I'm talking about number of wings. Like when did, when did you start to like reach your limit when you hit 61 wings? When was that? At 61, I had to stop. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's when you – so so essentially when you were going right up to 61, you felt good, and all of a sudden it just hit you, and you said, that's it, I got I to gotta, I gotta quit. No, I was behind by 30. They had 91 wings? No, the other challengers did. Wow, that's amazing. What? Uh, just out of curiosity, how much time did you have to eat the 61 wings for you? It's the same thing. I think they picked it up from somewhere. Two hours. Two hours. All right. It's a good comparison. It's a great comparison. Ike, yeah, so, but let's sell some tickets. Let's get. Uh, let's make this a promo. You know, have, yeah. have a good time, and and get all the other. Um, those weightlifting, weightlifting fools there at UTEP and, and my front offensive line, get them, get them all lined up. Let's go. Fair enough. Ike, appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the tips on that one. Um, all right. Uh, let's, let's Should just, we have Otis come on? I think we need Otis next in our final countdown. Sounds let's, good. Let's just see if he's up for the challenge, okay? Let's do that. So we'll get Otis. Pitts the third on next. Sports Talk continues right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. End what has been a great uh, Friday program with our one and only uh, intern this uh, spring, UTEP quarterback Cade McConnell, and now we got one of his teammates joining us on the lines, Otis Pitts the third UTEP offensive lineman. He's a six three, three hundred and forty five pound redshirt junior who believes he can eat hundred and twenty five wings in a two hour period of time. Uh, Op, welcome to the program. It's good to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm good. Appreciate for y'all having me. Ah, we appreciate you uh, giving us a few minutes. Now, Otis, I got to tell you, um, when Cade mentioned this on air casually uh, earlier yeah. this hour, the first thing I thought about is we could have an unbelievable uh, eating competition just involving you. No, you're not going up against anybody because 125 wings is an enormous amount of wings, even over a two-hour period of time. Um, when did you believe that that magic number was something that could be attainable if you actually had 125 wings to eat in two hours? Uh, um, so basically, I forgot how the, uh, the conversation came about. But after the conversation, we looked it up. I looked it up. How much, uh, what was the world record, right? It was a 175-pound uh, woman ate 500 wings in 30 minutes. So I said, hey. That's seems like a piece of cake. Let me see if I can. I feel like I can do it. I and op. How, there's there's not a chance, man. I told them that this has been an argument that we have been having for like probably six months now since into the season we've brought everybody into the training room about it i mean people have picked sides you have people on your side we have people that can't decide we got people on my side i mean this is a public event now and i think there's no way you're getting 125 look hey you got to put it to the math right so how much is how much uh you said two hours right that's two. 125 that's 120 minutes right correct that means i gotta finish a wing a minute Dang, there are me a wing a minute. So you don't think that's possible? I could eat a wing a minute. 
Otis, we got to account for you getting full. Like that's the, I'm not worried too much about the time. I'm worried about the amount of food that you are talking about, my right, friend. Now here's, now here's what I want to know from Otis. Okay, so uh, let's just say you're really hungry, right? You've had right. a workout and you're just hungry. What is right. like a, give me a, a, an idea of what a meal for you is like when you're hungry. When I'm hungry and I ain't ate for a cool minute? Yep. I bet. Uh, what is it? it depends how I'm feeling. Like, I get a pizza. I get a cool pizza. If I if I'm feeling froggy, I get two. Hey. Okay, that's how it's right. So, yeah. so and and we're you talking like you know two sixteen inch pizzas, right? Like we're not talking about yeah. little little large, twelve inch. Large. Yeah, the big maybe ones. extra large, large though. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. So so, so so. Otis, here's the thing. Here's what I told Cade. Okay. If right. I can get this cleared with your offensive line coach and, and Scotty, I have no problem right. whatsoever having you here to do this over the course of, of a show. Like, we'll be broadcasting live, or, or we take the show on the road to UTEP, we broadcast live from, like, your training table, and we actually do the show there while you're eating or attempting to eat the 125 wings. That's interesting. I ain't going to lie. But my only request is I have to do it after the season. Why? So we got we got, we got to give it a wait period because I got to cut a little bit. I ain't going to lie. I got to cut a little I got to lose a little bit more pounds. I'll go do that. So you wait, wait. Why, why, why don't we just do this between the end of spring ball and the start of the season? Mm, I don't know. You gotta give people something to wait for. Well, I mean, if you're if you're telling me after the season, it's like February. That's like December, man. That's that's like eleven months hey, from now. That's we a could long always time. We could always cut some weight. We have some room to spare yeah. in between, and then we have some buffer room. That's that's the best plan. But we got to get Otis to get into action before we can do that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Otis, I got to protect my quarterback at my best ability. I got to my, protect my quarterback at my best ability. Okay. So, well, you hear me? we're going to work this out. We're going to make this happen at some point in time, okay? And when when you sit down to eat those wings, we'll be there all the way, and we'll like do like a running a running commentary throughout the whole process, all right? I bet. All right. I'm, I'm ready. All right. Sounds like a winner. Can't Otis, thanks for, thanks for wrapping us up on the show, man. We appreciate you. Thanks, OP. All right. No problem. All right, Kate. I'll see you later. Sounds good. That's, what a way to end the week. What a way to end the week right there. Adrian, what do you think? Fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, sign me up for December. Okay. As much-